All right, welcome to Teaching Others Also. If you have a Bible, please go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And I'm also going to be reading a short passage out of Jeremiah chapter 16. Jeremiah 16. And <clears throat> I'll say this to you real quick. This is by request, and it is something that must be taken in context. I've just called it soul work. Very soon we're going to put on a few things and be preaching on soul health, soul health. It's strange for several weeks, been working and doing some stuff on soul health. That is soul of the inner person who you really are. Actually, your body is just what you live in because though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. So we're going to do some things on soul health in, in the United States. It happens to be uh, National Mental Health Awareness Month. And if you're one of those Christians that scoffs at that, I'm worried. Because there is so much in your Bible about that. And it's not that we can bring about what's best and healthy and right for people by mere counseling or mere you know, adjustment of stuff or mere chemicals, as in treatment. But as a child of God, the Lord cares about your soul health. But today, in this session, we're going to look at soul work. It can be called evangelism. It can be called soul winning. It can be a lot of things. We're going to break it down or just demonstrate it in three things. And this is about the forest and not the trees. We're going to look at soul work. And I want to say this to you. Westerners, that's us, and for the most part except we're supposed to think like the Bible, which, an, which is an Eastern book. But Westerners are overly productive-minded, productivity-minded, results, reaping, rewards. And God knows this. And so the Lord puts all through his Bible these things that remind us that we are to be process-minded. Even, even when you know, and you do, I hope you do, you know that you should have things like a schedule and you should have things like some goals and stuff and break them down to achieve them over a period of time, you still have to make sure that the biggest thing that you're applying is the process. When it comes to souls in the 21st century and the 20th and 21st century combined, both of those time periods, the 1900s and the 2000s, what the problem we have is that most of the stuff about this subject has been done, developed, has been communicated for the lines of productivity, of rewards, of reaping. And of course, we all want to see more people saved, etc. But there's way too much of the Gentile in the modern ministry of it. And it's not that I'm going to talk to you about an airy-fairy thing. In fact, it's, it's not airy-fairy at all. But I would say this to you. There is a time when leaders must put their foot down and say, we cannot accomplish in short periods of time what people want accomplished in short periods of time. The Lord Jesus Christ spent three and a half years personally, daily, with his disciples. These were grown men. They weren't children. These were grown men. They had occupations. They had responsibilities. And yet it, he spent three and a half years with them, terraining them. 
Now, when you give that some thought, then you, you can more easily understand what I'm about to say. We're going to look at three things when it comes to soul work. That is going after souls. That is working with souls. We're going to look at fishing from the Bible, Mark chapter 1, and other places, but Mark 1. We're going to look at farming. We're going to look at finding, okay? Because one of the things that we are to be doing as Christians is to going after the souls. But the thing that's been lost is that it's a process and it's not an event. It's not, it's not supposed to be about getting scalps or stringer or all that. And praise the Lord if God lets you be the one who leads somebody to Christ. And, and like I said, it's not an airy-fairy thing. But when, when he said to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that's what he meant. And we're going to look at that a little bit, okay? Now, I want to say this. These three things, fishing, farming, finding, they're things we're going to talk about in pretty much a short session compared to what it would be. And now I said what I said about Jesus Christ, teaching them because it takes training to help someone be the best soul worker they can be. And it is a process, and it changes as you grow in your maturity in Christ. So Christ sessions and, and how to lead a soul to Christ. You know, it's, it's a strange thing, and I, I really like what Brother uh, Jack used to say all the time, Brother Wood, he'd say, he'd say, when the baby gets in the birth canal, you're not going to have any trouble, just, you know, let God do his work. But he would spend time with people, helping them deal with souls, talk to them about souls, understand how God works in a soul. And that's where the skill is. That's where the seasoning is. That's where the experience is. So if you want to help people and get them started, you can give them three different ways in which to view soul work, fishing and farming and finding. Okay. And when we look at it, you're not going to, in this 30 minutes or 40 minutes or 10 hours, however long this little lesson takes, <laughs> You're not going to train people. What you're going to do is introduce them and help them to have a way of thinking. And one of the mistakes that's been made today is that people have caved in and said, okay, we're going to, we're going to adjust everything we do in the ministry to you people who are too busy to learn about God. Did you ever think, what it meant when the Lord Jesus Christ walked by those men washing their nets and said, follow me. Have you ever thought about and, and just read the gospel accounts there, those gospel records, and think about what it meant for them? Grown men having to walk away and trust God from many different walks of life. They could not get trained one hour on a Sunday morning or even one hour, include a Sunday night and even Wednesday night they couldn't get trained that way. That's not to say that you can't train men for the ministry or women to, to aid the men in the ministry. You can't train them if they don't leave their jobs and all that. But it is to say that if there's not a deep level of commitment, it's not going to happen the way it used to happen. Many of the old timers would take somebody under their belt and they would travel with them and, and whenever possible. They still had to work, still had to make a living, but many times they also had to trust God. And I'm saying all that to say, if we get a picture of the forest and not the trees, it will help us as preachers, as teachers, as trainers, as disciplers, and it will also help you as a listener to understand that we, it's a process. 
and we have to buy into the process. So we're going to look at three things, an overview, the forest, fishing, farming, and finding. There's a curious little passage, I'm going to read it to you, in Jeremiah uh, chapter 16. It starts in verse 15, the one I'm going to read. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children. Now, I'll start verse 14 so you understand. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But, <clears throat> he's about to tell them what will be said. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands whither he had driven them, and I will bring them again into their land that I gave unto their fathers. Behold, I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and from every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. For mine eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. Now, soul work is not exactly like that because God's looking to save people. There he's looking to bring Israel back and deal with them. But I thought it was pretty curious that in your Bible, your King James Bible, he talks about being fishers and hunters. Fishers and finders. Okay? And then we're going to look at how the Bible talks about farmers. So I want you to think about doing soul work. And that soul work is like, say, putting out gospel tracts. So work is a, a verse here or there at work. It's a, it's a witness sometimes. Uh, so work is just saying something to someone, praying for wisdom, saying and leaving it with them and let it work on their soul work. It might be open air work. It's dealing with people's souls. Sometimes it's just like fishing is, casting it, throwing out a net. And there's so many ways to do that. Sometimes it, uh, that's why we call it broadcasting. When you put something on the air, especially in the old days of radio, which still is very, very useful, by the way, radio and TV and stuff. And even now, when you put it on, on the air, the waves of the Internet, it's called broadcasting. Your broadcast broadcasting is a way of sowing seed. It's when you take seed like grassy stuff and you, you, you cast it. I, mean, I, I have in my day, many of you may have it. You used to have the little hand crank thing. You got the canvas bag. You fill it full of seed, put it on your bag, and you back and you crank it as you walk over after you've prepared the soil and the surface. Broadcasting. Well, the first thing we're going to talk about is the fishing. We're talking about fishing, farming, and finding. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew's brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, that could have been a single-hand cast net. It could have been that they were setting a net out of, the, out of a boat. We used to have a, use a net that was about 600 foot long, and we had it in a boat that was just really like a plastic-type boat, fiberglass, that would only hold the net. So we're in the water, salt water, doing it, and we, we'd, someone would grab it and hold on to it, or we'd anchor it, and then we'd take it out. Sometimes you'd take it, Say around the lagoon. Sometimes you take it across the mouth of a, a body of water. Sometimes you take it, and this is quite a few years ago, okay, this is back in the 70s and 80s. And then you, a couple times we took it out at night, straight out off the coast and 600 foot out and anchored it and let it sit. We'd sit there, it was winter time, freezing to death, cold, and then we'd pull it in. And the point of it being, I said all that about timing because there was different rules and different laws. We didn't make sure we didn't break them and all that. But they're casting a net 
for they were fishers. So the picture is, when Jesus said unto them, verse 17, come, at, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. He's talking about soul work being like fishing for people, for souls. The word men there is not gender specific. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he'd gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Okay, so, so far, he's netted Peter. That's who Simon is, Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew. Now he's about to net James and John, who also were in the ship mending their nets. Verse 19, one of the things about fishing, net fishing, is you're going to have to mend your net. I threw a net one night, I was in, uh, it was down under, and I, was about waist deep and the phosphorus was really high in the water that night. So anytime a stuff would move, it'd flash. And I waited and I could see a little flash like a school of fish. And I threw that thing. I was trying to get some bait fish for the guys I was, had taken fishing. We're on this little island. And uh, I threw that thing and it lit the water up. And there was something much bigger than me, taller and longer than me lit the water up and I took off and screamed like a girl and I got on shore and I was like I hope nobody could hear that <laughs> I'm telling on myself today next morning I rode out there and got out there and found it and picked it up and it had a hole and it was undoubtedly a shark had gone through it and he'd probably been laying there hanging around and I threw it and flashed those fish and he went through them and he went I mean he cut the rope and everything they're mending their net you say, well, you threw that away. Oh, no, I mended that net. They didn't cost then what they do now, and I still mended it. Amen. They're mending their nets. So some of them are cleaning their nets. Some are mending their nets. And this is what happens in, in soul work. So we're looking at the forest now and not the trees right now. But one of the things that happens is you have to prepare to go. Then you have to repair from when you go. Sometimes when you're teaching people or you're learning to do soul work, you get wounded. You get injured. Uh, sometimes things happen. One of the things that's going to happen is if you're doing track work, for example, you're going to give out the tracks. You need to replenish the tracks. So there's many a parallel that's there. And like I said, we're not after the trees today. We're after the forest. And the picture is that it's a process. So primarily in your Bible, this fishing is net fishing. You say, well, there is an exception. There is. Simon Peter one day, per the instructions of the Lord Jesus, he goes out and casts a line in there. <clears throat> so he's line fishing and he catches a fish and he tells him what the one you bring in is going to have money in his mouth of all things and go pay the taxes. You say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, having the money in his mouth is, but it's amazing. I talked to a fellow the other day and a young fellow that was with him caught a pretty nice fish, but he didn't catch the fish. He caught the line that was that the fish had in its mouth that had broken off somebody else's rod. He caught the line and he brought the line in and the line had the fish on the end of it. So yeah, he caught it, but he caught it after it got off somebody else's. Now we're, we're after the forest, not the trees. In other words, we're after the forest, not the techniques. The trees are techniques. Let's talk about open air work for a minute. <clears throat> open air work is meant to expose people to the word of God. I am so cautious about who I do open air work because there is a spirit that comes out of men and honestly I'm going to tell you this 
A lot of it is, whether some of y'all like it or not, it's actually a, a defense against fear. It's a defense against the fact that people are probably thinking you're crazy. You're going to say something about you. And it's, so it's in, it's in a reaction. It's, it's not calmness and it's not courage. That, that, that roughness, even rudeness and crudeness. Listen, it's the word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The fellow that I saw the example of, 90%. Down there, Doc, 90% of his street preaching all the times I was around him was scripture. You would be surprised what scripture can do. Many years ago, I was in a place up there on the northeast part here of the United States. And one afternoon, in between meetings, the fellow said, you want to go do some open-air work? I said, sure. And he had, they had a little truck they used for it. And we didn't use microphones or megaphones, but they had certain spots they went. And, I mean, it was like having a microphone, an amplification system. It'd go down through those city buildings. It, it was uh, somewhere near Philadelphia. And we took turns. I got up there, and all I did was keep quoting Scripture. For example, I said, there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, and things like that. And it wasn't several, just a few minutes, wasn't even a lot of minutes. And all of a sudden, some people came out. They happened to be Catholic people, a couple nuns and a priest or something. And they were not happy that I was preaching the one way with Jesus Christ. And I wasn't making any comments. I wasn't saying it was any aggression. So trust the scripture, okay? Trust it. Tract work. One of the things to keep in mind about track work is you want to be able to follow up with people. Now, you might not be the person who's going to be right there in the area, but you want to be able to let someone else follow up with them. So it's good to have some kind of contact on there. Now, there's, today with what's going on, it's why sometimes it have just have a, an email contact or a phone that, that all you do is use that phone for it. Have, you know, some, some certain phone. Not a bunch of stuff where someone could show up and just you know, do somebody damage. There's all kind of stuff going on. I mean, this is, uh, it's May of 2022 and it's getting tough that way. That's not a matter of being afraid of anything. That's a matter of being prudent, especially for the people like women and children that might not be prepared if somebody goes crazy on them. Now in your Bible, they had throw nets and they had drag nets. So fishing, soul work done by fishing is not spear fishing. It's not shooting fish, Okay. Let's take personal work where you're talking to someone personally. You, you, you got to give yourself some time reading your Bible. Introduce people to John chapter 4, for example. Study the Philippian jailer, for example. We call it broadcasting, as I said, because you're, you're, look, you can share preaching links with people. You can send somebody a text. Pick it out. Pick it specifically. You know, I've thought for years it would be very good, very good, if possible, and I don't, I don't have the expertise. I've been researching it. It'd be great to have little web pages or something, some source where someone could go and it was, it was limited to gospel preaching. And that gospel preaching would be done in such a way that you knew what, they, what you were giving them a link to. And that way they don't have a chance to get, you know, they don't have the opportunity to get all sidetracked with some of the stuff you preach to someone who's a mature Christian. Listen, Fishing for souls means you're going to have to cut off all the extra rubbish like politics and preferences. And you're going to have to be fishing for souls. It's fishing for souls. It's soul work. This is so important. And I, I really mean this. When you begin to think about it, now, don't try to 
to pull trees out of the forest until you get a hold of the forest. So uh, many of us who've had the opportunity and, and responsibility of training, we would stick with the basics of fishing for souls for a long time. Work with people on handing out tracks. Work with them on handing out hand, how to handle rejection. Work with them on how to handle offensive things people say. I was just talking to a guy today. And he runs, uh, or it was yesterday rather, he runs his own business. And uh, they're very customer service oriented. And I was telling him, I said, you know what? <clears throat> By default, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, a couple times, several times, I end up being the customer relations manager on top of my other duties. And the reason it would happen is because I knew how to say, look, we cannot and will not do this when necessary. I knew when it was necessary to say it, but I also knew how to listen. Well, I didn't like listening to some of the stuff they said, but I knew what the aim was. The first aim was to find out what the problem is. So when you're doing personal work, one of the first aims is to find out what their real objection is. If you take people and you put them into personal work too soon, and listen, five, six lessons is too soon. It's not that you don't have them do anything, but take them fishing, passing out tracks, uh, doing things that are, that are, that are not political. I've always, I've always been amazed. I, you know, people, they'll go maybe hold up signs somewhere or do open air work. That's great. But why do people pick? Why is this? And I, I don't need you to write me, explain to me, because I do know. But ask yourself, why is it they purposely pick scriptures or sayings? By the way, sayings are not scripture. Okay? I can remember a fellow that had a big old sign, always said, no hope in the Pope. Well, I get that. But there's no hope in you either. There's no hope in anything but the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And I was thinking the other day, nowadays they're always filtering the airwaves, like if this goes out or somebody logs on and it goes out there and they'll grab that phrase and somebody will take it and pull it out, you know, and somebody knocking on the door. <clears throat> you know, you said something against, you know, the Pope. Listen, I say more things against Baptists and I'm a Bible-believing Baptist than I do anybody. Not because I'm against them, because we got to guard against getting so carnal. So what's that got to do with anything? Because we have to ask ourselves, are we actually fishing for souls or are we trying to just make a stink? Make a stink in your neighborhood. Well, that's really going to help. So, well, you use cut bait, stink to catch fish. Yeah, literal fish. You don't do it to catch humans. You see, if you're not careful, you're scared of compromise because what you're really scared of is letting God get hold of your heart and breaking it and not having to defend yourself or do things in such a way that make you feel like you're stronger than the people you're dealing with. You know what I've learned? I've learned that the stronger you are, the less you got to prove it. I've learned that the more sure you are of something, the less you have to prove it, and the more you're looking to find out what I can do to help somebody. That's fishing. It can be open air work. It can be tracks. Uh, it can be conversation, short little conversations. It can be stuff at work. It can be with your neighbors. You throw the net, you pull it in, see what you got. Like there's all kinds of stuff that happens. Listen, I pulled a net one night over there down under and threw, I threw it out there, pulled it in and, and uh, it was real dark, the spot I was at. And I reached down and grabbed something and buddy, it lit my hand up for a day or two. They called it a happy moment. It wasn't a happy moment, although it's, I think it's pretty cool that, that they call stuff that. 
So fishing, fishing, and get in people's minds, help them to get an, a forest, not the trees view, that what we're doing is we're fishing. And so when you're doing open air work, when you're doing tract work, when you're talking to people, even when you're, you're inviting people to church, preaching the gospel, when you're handing out uh, something like a link to a gospel thing, you know, nowadays it's so uh, cheap to go online and order these little business cards type things. You can get hundreds and hundreds of them for just a few bucks. <clears throat> it wouldn't hurt to have a simple verse. Look, it's like anything else in business. Don't clutter it. A simple verse, a clear verse on one side and a link on the other. Or just do a one-sided one. A good verse and a link down below to something gospel. If you have a church, if you're the pastor, the leader, a deacon or whatever, or you just want to take an, a, a, an idea to the, to the pastor, having something where... Your church had just a link somewhere with a set of, with some preaching, with some information even, some PDFs, stuff like that. Listen, get creative about it. Uh, when we would go net fishing, we, we would go walking miles looking for places to set that net or cast that net. Uh, I've, I've swum across the sandbars and done it. You got to be careful when you're doing that. <laughs> uh, one time I swam across to some sandbars and got so busy fishing I forgot the tide came in and just about didn't get back to shore it was so deep so the thing of it is is get this big picture we're fishing it's not like you bass fishermen okay it's not the same <clears throat> it's not throw it out there and have the high crank reels you know and the bait caster and the rod and power fishing they call it you know nowadays because of all it's not that it's not like crappie fishing it's not like catfishing. It's net fishing. All right, secondly, farming. You say, what do you mean by farming? All right, well, the Lord Jesus Christ, what did he talk about? He talked about the sower and the seed, didn't he? And so the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was, when he was preaching and teaching and teaching people about it, he talked about the sower. Uh, when, he, when he would talk about uh, putting out the seed, he would say the sower sowed the seed. Now, why is that important? In Matthew chapter 13, if you want to write it down, is one of the places, because I'm going to take you over to 1 Corinthians 3 if you want to go there. That's where I'm going to go. And I, I, I'm going there because I want to show you the process that God uses. Okay? But understand this, that he's, when, he, when he talks about sowing and he talks about life, he's talking about the fact that we're farming. Uh, Paul said the husbandman when he wrote to Timothy. A husbandman is someone that raises things and grows things. It can include livestock. But the idea is that this sower goes out to sow. <coughs> and over Matthew 13 is one of your places. But the place I want to take you to, and jot that down, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Great passage, 1 Corinthians 3, to understand this. So in farming, there's plowing, there's preparing, there's planting, there's pausing, and then there is the product. You say, what's the pausing? That's when you water and you wait and you weed. Okay? It's a process. It's not an event, my friend. A lot of people today, all they're focused on is, I want to know how to lead a soul to Christ. We'll talk about that in a minute. Leading a soul to Christ is... 
if there's not an understanding of the farming, fishing, and finding, all you're really going to end up doing is looking for some kind of closing technique. You really need to get hold of this. And that doesn't mean that a person won't be saved if you use a closing technique, but it's not going to be the same for them, and it's not going to be the same in your personal work. And here's what we're looking at at the farming side right now. Because you see, you've got the treatment of the seed, of the soil, of the space between the sowing and reaping. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto, unto spiritual, <coughs> but as unto carnal, even unto babes in Christ. I am so amazed about people and their attitude towards the Corinthians. Paul, in all these places, tells them how gifted they are. He tells us how gifted they are. <coughs> He's about to show them one particular carnal part and in chapter 5 he shows them another particular you need to get hold of this he's actually showing them about being parochial in their allegiance to men now it doesn't mean you don't have to have a connection to someone that leads you to christ etc but they were way too much about it and a lot of men today want people to like them over someone else he said i fed you with milk and not with meat for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. Now watch. He tells them what's carnal about themselves. It's another whole subject. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So he tells them exactly what part of them is carnal because he praises them in a bunch of places and he even counts on them being spiritual in other places. You couldn't have 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 in a passage where a church didn't have any, any idea of spirituality and challenged them about that kind of given he was challenging them about. So watch. Verse 4, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of, of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave thee in Greece. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Have you noticed who he doesn't even mention? The reaper. He that planteth, verse 8, he that watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, you're God's husbandry, you're God's building. Do you see who's not in there as a person? Do you see it? The plucker. You see that? The one who plucks the fruit. There aren't plucking experts, and that's where this has gotten bad about. Now, God will use certain people, and he always has. <clears throat> but my point is, that's not supposed to be the goal. We need to be really good at planting and watering. And the process of farming, like fishing, it's a process of many factors, but you've got to get the big picture first. You know, I've said this before many, many times through the years. Here's my illustration. I knew a fella many, many years ago. His family were farmers. One of their money crops in those days was carrots, orange gold we used to joke about. And I said, a lot of people are like a guy who might come and visit the farm. He didn't know anything about farming. He came and visited at harvest time, and he saw him loading up all the orange gold 
and he said, I'll buy it. And he bought the farm. And a year later, the guy who sold him the farm gets a call, and this fella is just abusing him. I mean, he is upset, calling him a thief, calling him a cheat, all this stuff. And he said, okay, whoa, slow down. What's wrong? He said, I ain't got container one of carrots out there. He said, okay, okay, let's talk about it. What seed did you use? Because he had, he had you know, left him a li almost a book of how to do this. And the guy paused, and he says, what are you talking about? He said, what seed did you use? He said, you told me this was a carrot farm, that carrots would grow here. He said, yeah, but you take and you prepare the soil and you get the mounds just right. I mean, I've helped move irrigation pipe on the, in those carrot fields. I mean, until you get them to a certain level, uh, level as, as in length of life, they're fragile, then they're durable. And he said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, you mean you didn't plant any seed? You didn't prepare it. You didn't put the humps like I left in the... He goes, well, I didn't happen to look at that. I just knew, you know, I should be expected a harvest at this time. You say, well, that is ridiculous. Exactly. It's ridiculous. And it is just as ridiculous for Bible-believing Christians to think that you can take the seed and treat it any way you want and take the soil and treat it any way you want and abuse it and be rude and nasty and all those sort of things and get the harvest that God wants. You say, well, we got a soul out of it. You will, by accidentally. Listen, I've seen stuff growing uh, that you could eat way off the beaten path just by accident a seed fall on the ground. But that's not what we're after. We're to be planting and watering. See, he said in verse 6, God gave the increase. So in reality, it's like D.L. Moody, the great soul-winning preacher said. He said, anybody can pluck a piece of fruit. But he said it takes skill to prepare the soil and plant the seed and water it and bring it to maturity. And he was talking about being a skillful soul worker because we are workers together. Workers together. We are laborers together. Verse 9, look, for we are laborers together with God for ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. Farming. So a lot of soul, soul work is farming. It's planting a seed here. It's watering a seed. Listen, sometimes before you plant the seed, you're preparing it just by interaction with people, your testimony. More is caught than is taught, and people don't want to know, people don't care what you know till they know if you care. You get me? There's a sense in which there is such a void in the heart's of God's people today for souls, for the predicament that souls are in, for the pressure souls are under. You know what I'm trying to say? For the peril they live with, they're souls. And these souls are souls that we should have a burden for. It's, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that God's people have forgotten this and it's, it's, it's fallen away. The older I get, be 67 next month the older I get the deeper my burden gets constantly and you don't wait to I've always had a burden for souls I wouldn't have done what I did with my life but I'll say this if you can't look at a soul and go you know they're not worse off than I was as far as hopelessness you know if you're not careful you're way too calculating and clinical 
You're way too what they call today right-wing about people, and you're not enough Christ-centered about people. He died for the world. Yeah, all the world. He already paid for the sins of the world. Read what the Epistle of John says. And that might sound a little stern to you, but that's because you're treating other people so stern. Farming, farming, farming. Plowing, preparing, and planting, and watering. That pausing when you water, and you wait, and you weed. And then the product comes, the plucking. If all the emphasis is on the plucking, I know you're not very good at the rest of it. You know, a lot of you are too busy. You're too busy to farm and fish. And then we're going to look at finding. You're too busy. You want hit and run stuff all the time. And I realize, listen, listen, I understand that there's, there's specific people who are called to go from one place and preach to another place to preach. But if they're not careful, they become hit and run artists. And then pretty soon someone makes them justify their living by getting productivity out of the hit and run. When that's not what we're supposed to be about, even when we're, I've had to travel and preach and all that myself, but my purpose wasn't hit and run. I wasn't, I didn't care about building up a credibility or a track record or reports. We've got to get back. Listen, my soul would have stayed lost if it wasn't for someone fishing and farming and finding it. And that's a whole testimony in itself, but I can tell you for a fact that's true. All right, thirdly, so fishing, overview, fishing, farming. And then find it. Luke chapter 15. Let's go to Luke 15. Luke 15. Like I said, this, this couldn't possibly be long enough to be a whole teaching on it. I mean, it to me, to me, a, a, a Christian that wants to learn, there ought to be some specific times where you have a, you know, a, a semester, we would call it. You know what I mean? Uh, three, four month course. Really, a whole year of it added up, but three or four months, get them going, put them out, teaching them. And a lot of it's heart preaching to the heart. But then it's also helping them <clears throat> memorize Scripture. Have a Bible that they carry, a New Testament that's marked up. I've still got a New Testament that I had before I went down under in 1985. I've, and it's been taped and retaped and duct taped. And I've got stuff hi highlighted and underlined in there. Things that, and every now and then, if I'm talking to somebody and I can't quite remember exactly, I can flip in the back and I can see where I've used that verse and then turn to it. You know, that's, that's, that's your skillful tool. That's your fishing, farming, finding tool. See, that in itself is a course. But the big picture is you get people interested in and understanding. And then as leaders, as a Sunday school teacher, as someone helping out, as a volunteer in your church, as a pastor, you help them learn. Finding. Finding. Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> then drew, verse 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. <clears throat> you understand, one of the reasons you don't have more of this is Christians aren't very strong nowadays. And they, they have this thing. Now listen, if you listen to news, if you listen to all the social media, I'm not even going to bother mentioning the specific ones. They're all the same, basically. If you listen to them, then you'll think that somehow you've got to become uh, involved in apologetics. Apologetics, by the way, is not apologizing. It's defending and laying it out. But you'll think you've got to be involved in that and find some, some way that 
is sneaky. Well, that's not true, but you could use some subtlety about it. Paul said he called him with guile. So this man receiveth sinners, eateth with them. I'm, I, I can sit down with someone that I know what I'm trying to do is get the gospel into them and let them believe that a Christian has some sense about them. That ain't going to change me. They're not going to get me to drink with them, alcohol. They're not going to get me to swear with them. They're not going to get me to smoke or smoke dope with them. They're not going to get me to tell jokes or talk coarsely or put up with it. They're not. But I also am not going to wear a chip on my shoulder and, and just go about, well, I don't do that and I don't do that. They don't care what you don't do. They want to know if the God you have cares about them. See, the scriptures, like Ten Commandments that make us a sinner, all of sin, those things are tough enough without you acting like you're better than everybody else. And I guess some of us just realize we're not better than anybody else. It's a miracle of the grace of God we got saved. Now, we don't go around in shabby spiritual clothes either. We don't go around saying, well, I'm getting through, but, you know, I'm stumbling through, you know, psychologically and morally. No, we're not. We're more than conquerors. Verse 3, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness? In other words, like in a, in a, in a closed-in place. But he leaves them while he's out there. By the way, you, they have to take him out there. Let me see, I'm going to throw this in. This has nothing to do with the lesson. But you never know. Maybe a pastor will be listening, or associate pastor, or you know, assistant, whatever. Sunday school superintendent. Your church, your flock is supposed to be as if you were keeping them in the wilderness, not in the cattle and stockyards like you find at the killing plants around Chicago and St. Louis and, and New York, okay? And out west, you know, where it used to be like at Wichita and all those places. It's the wilderness. You're alone. You're supposed to be isolated and you should isolate yourself not as in negativity, but just Take care of your flock. And it doesn't make you a better shepherd if someone says, will you come preach for me? And will you come preach for me? And will you come preach? That doesn't make you better. There's no advancement program in the work of God. That was free. All right, so he leaves them and he goes after that which is lost until he find it. So it's a process. When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing and when he cometh home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. All right, finding. Number two, finding. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek it diligently till she find it. Uh, let's say you had ten Bens, ten $100 bills, ten Franklins. And one of them slips out of your wallet, slips somewhere. You didn't know where that thing was. That would be a lot of money, a hundred bucks. Make it as high as you want to where you'd get motivated, friend. And when she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, rejoice with me for I found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Number three, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Give me the portion of the goods that fall to me, and he divided them as living, etc. And we know this is the prodigal son. You've got sheep, you've got silver, you've got a son. Now here's the point. 
finding the lost. Now, if you were trying to find the lost, you would search with skill and with aim and with purpose. You'd be looking for them, and then when you brought them home, you'd bring them home on your shoulders, which is burden. Okay? And my point is this, when it comes to the finding. You want to find a lost soul? Here you've got a sheep, you've got silver, you've got a son. You've got a lost soul, you've got a lost substance, and you've got a lost saint. Okay? You've got all kinds. Of, you say, well, the son, maybe he was, he's a prodigal, but maybe he was lost. Now he's saved, blah, blah, blah. I don't, it doesn't matter. Some of y'all, honestly, you do strain at a, at a gnat and swallow a camel. I swear to goodness. But here's my point. Finding. Now, finding involves looking. Finding involves going. You know, all those things. So, what I would say to you is, Think of that finding as in going out and seeking the lost. Think of it as a process whereby you're just going to keep going until you find a soul. May I say this to you? So many people are, are, it's like they associate it with you being able to lead somebody in a prayer and that's it. Bringing them on the shoulders. Look at verse 5. Mark it if you have your Bible open. Getting somebody to church under the gospel is like that. You might get them under the gospel 10, 20, 30 Sundays. Now, I'm not telling you have any, any idea who's better or less or whatever, but I will say this to you without any reservation. If someone comes to 10 services and gets saved, there's a lot of times in which that's better off than that they come to one and just walk an aisle. Secondly, when they do walk that aisle, you're supposed to put them on your shoulders and take some responsibility. Somebody in every local church should be taking responsibility for souls, and it doesn't have to be somebody who gets paid to do it or somebody who's assigned to do it. Now, you might have a system. That'd be great. But it's that it's the same thing in soul work. Here, we're just talking about going after souls. There's fishing. There's farming. There's finding. Now, that's the trees. That's the forest, not the trees. If you were going to do a course, you could have part of it where you did the trees on, on uh, specific ways that, you know, that, and, and please do this. Make sure that your illustrations from nature and from life work, that they're really real, that you don't just reach out and find something because you're too lazy to study. I heard a thing the other day, and it just grieved me down to my boots. And it was just all you could tell was thrown together. I don't, I'm not, I don't care how long it took the person, but it was thrown together in the sense that there was not a continuity of scripture with the illustration. It was grabbing scriptures to make the illustration work. Don't do that. Fishing, farming, finding. And may God use that in your mind to just, just get you thinking about souls. Get a big picture first. Forest, not the trees. Okay? Most of the time, somebody comes sweeping through town and they they got the tree of, you know, leading somebody to Christ. Lead them in the sinner's prayer, this and that. Get the forest first. I, you get the forest right, the rest will happen. I, there have been all kind of ways that somebody received Christ and none of them were, were ways, hardly, not, hardly any of them 
But none of them were ways that you just pre-planned. None of them were, were this exact same formula because it's a process. God gives the increase. But listen, when you're doing this, you know, you know what you do when you fish? You don't make all the noise in the world. Say, well, there's times when you make a little noise, get their attention. That's true. But you don't scare the fish off, and a lot of you do. When you're farming, the treatment of the seed and the soil and the space in between the sowing and the reaping, in the finding, finding, you don't want to chase that thing over. You don't, you don't want to do it in such a way it runs and runs and runs from you till it runs its poor little self to death. You search with skill, purpose, and aim. Your whole being is looking. And then your burden bearing is on their shoulders. Get the picture of the forest and not the trees. I trust somehow, some way, this will be a blessing to some of you. Father, we pray you'd use this now. We ask it, Father, in Jesus Christ's name and for his glory. Amen.